Greetings and welcome on board WDKOK Sunrise. I'm Mark Lawrence. We're on the news line this morning with Rebecca Knight. She's living on the West Coast now, but she's originally from our area. So when we start to talk about some place names as it relates to the Ray Greekar case, she is going to be talking about places she's known and has been to. And we talk about uh, state police barracks and uh, other DAs and the communities uh, where Ray Greekar's car was found found she knows all about this so rebecca thank you so much for checking in this morning very glad to hear from you well thank you mark it's it's a pleasure and an honor to be on your show and also on this radio station because it's one of the oldest in the country and it's a it has a storied past and a I know a big future, so thank you for having me. Well, thank you, and this is this this interview is a milestone because I think you're really on to something with the podcast, and that's what we want to focus on today. The final argument, the disappearance of Ray Greekar, district attorney. Uh, this has probably had your interest since Ray Greekar disappeared, so I want to lay the groundwork on that. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mentioned that uh, you hail from this immediate region, so introduce yourself and your work to our audience. I grew up in Northumberland, Pennsylvania. I was a, a born and raised a pine knotter. <laughs> um, I left the area um, as an adult. Uh, spent a little bit of time um, down in Virginia. I lived in Lewisburg uh, for a number of years. Uh, of course, um, then I moved to State College, and I spent 10 years in Center County. Uh, at the time, Mr. Grickar was the district attorney. Um, and then I left uh, for the West Coast in 2004. I can't believe I've been out here for 16 years. And podcast about Ray Grickar, how did that happen? I started investigating this story a little over 10 years ago. Um, in fact, I retired to do it. I had been an associate publisher and editor of two magazines here on the West Coast, um, and I had been doing it for a few years, And um, but this case kept uh, kind of gnawing at me because I would come back to Pennsylvania to see my, my relatives, um, and friends, and every year I would come back, I would say, did they find him yet? Did they find him yet? You know, what's going on? And I kept reading um, what was in the newspapers and how every year on the anniversary there would be this article about him and it was always the same information over and over again. And I said, there's no new information on this after five years. Um, so I decided to look into it. Um, I flew back. I spent two weeks knocking on doors uh, all over central Pennsylvania, and nobody wanted to talk to me. Um, I came home, and my husband said, well, I guess that's it. I said, no, I'm doing my laundry, and then I'm going to turn around and go back because there's something wrong. And so that's how I started it. Originally, I decided to start writing it uh, as a book, and it will still be a book. Um, but what happened, Mark, was on the this year, the 16th anniversary of Mr. Glickar's disappearance on April 15th. No one did any stories about it. The paper, let's put it this way, the paper of note 
um, did no, nothing on it for the first time since he disappeared. And I got angry. Um, I really did. I felt it was so unfair. And I decided that I had a lot of information. And I had, the pre for the previous two years before that, I had a few people, uh, close friends of mine, that knew I was working on this, saying, you should really do a podcast. And I said, I don't want to do a podcast. I don't like podcasts. And uh, because most of the podcasts I listened to, I thought were really boring, and I didn't like the production quality because I'm, you know, I have a broadcast background, and so you know, I'm such, you know, I'm being a diva. No, I, I hate it. You know, I'm like, I hate podcasts. Okay, so then the pandemic hit, and uh, I decided uh, this was really bothering me, and I kept complaining about it that they didn't cover it, nobody covered it. What's going on? And I said, okay, so that was it. I started writing. Um, I took my manuscript for the book, and I began to rewrite it as a podcast. Um, that I started um, in March when uh, we got locked down due to the pandemic. And I assembled a team, and uh, we put it together. Uh, there's been a lot of surprises on the way, uh, one of which is that I had four episodes ready to upload, and I decided to do one first. The first episode of the podcast is um, it's about eight minutes or something. Uh, I made it that length for a reason. I wanted to see, you know, put, put my toe in the water and see what happens. And the response was unbelievable in terms of our numbers. Um, we, we, we did very well. Uh, we have a website to go with it, com. You can listen for free uh, to this podcast. But anyway, so I decided then to release the next episode two weeks later. And after the first episode, people started coming out of the shadows. People started contacting me through my website. And some of them were people that were uh, had never talked to the press, never. And they started communicating with me. And some of them wanted to go on the record, and some of them said no, so they're on deep background. But what happened was uh, I started to see that, wait a minute, I have to do more work on episode two. I've got to add this. I've got to add this. And then something else happened, and then episode three. And so... Uh, there's several weeks between episodes, and people say, why is that? That's not typical podcast. I said, I'm not a typical podcast. Uh, I'm telling a story, and I'm trying to give everybody as up-to-date information as I can. Um, uh, we're editing up until probably the hour before we, we upload. So that's what we're doing with this podcast. It's turning out to be a very, very good tool. And at some point... I'll do the book, although at this point now, uh, I'll add to the book what I, went, what I had to go through to get this story. And that I don't want to talk about now. I want to talk about Mr. Grickar and in this podcast, but at some point, I will tell the story, the backstory. So, there you go. Well, why is it that the Ray Grickar case isn't getting global publicity. I mean, you and uh, one of the panelists, Bob Buner Jr. from our area, all care deeply and are actually investigating this. And state police have done an investigation, and there's been some local investigations. But I would this this is Jimmy Hoffa-level stuff, in my view, 
you know, you have a prosecutor sure. disappears, and there's a, a you know a national pedophile that's connected to the case, and so, or not connected to the case, sure. but it's you know coincidentally uh, in in mm -hmm. the within the case. So why isn't why is Nancy Grace one of the few national people that has looked at this? Well, there are other people looking at this um, nationally. They haven't uh, run any stories yet, but. Um, Having said, and I can't say any more about that because I have I'm doing interviews now almost every day, Mark, um, on this. Uh, but what I want to say is that why isn't this global? Well, first of all, the reality is there's a very short news cycle out there, and um, as far as the Ray Greekar case goes, uh, every once in a while you'll see a story about him. Um, the Daily Mail co uh, covered it a couple of years ago, and then. Um, recently, there was a uh, a story um, in the Daily Mail about Ray Gricar. So that's a that's pretty big in itself. But why isn't this all there all the time? Well, I think people don't want to lose access to certain organizations in terms of you know my podcast goes into and and, and my thesis in, in a sense is that you know uh, Gricar was working on a case when he disappeared and he was going up against uh, the big guys in a sense so people are very timid people are very timid well in your podcast you talk about what a vexing issue this was on the mind of Ray Gricar that's a glimpse we haven't seen yet we've seen some of the mechanics of this in the past but uh, you're here to tell us that you have the evidence and you know uh, from your interviews that uh, this weighed heavily on his mind and uh, was a brought up and thought about uh, item often for him. I know that I have a, a very good source who knew him for decades, who was a peer, who saw him a year before, was having lunch with him a year before, Mr. Gricar, a year before he disappeared in State College and uh, Greg Carr pointed out uh, Jerry Sandusky who was crossing the street ahead of them as they were walking down uh, College Avenue one day saying he's a blank blank pedophile uh, excuse me he's a blank blank pedophile and I'm going to put him away if it's the last thing I do uh, this is what Ray Greg Carr said the yeah. connection to Louis Free uh, walk us uh, through that briefly if you can well, I have a, uh, a copy. I made a copy of the, the case file, and one of the things that I saw was that Ray Gricar, um had made several trips to Vermont, which was well known. I mean, that was publicly known. Um, and I also learned that uh, through interviews that I gave that he usually left his work uh, his county-issued laptop, the one that they found in the river, he usually left that at home or in the office. He didn't take it with him on vacation. Vermont was all about vacation. Uh, he went to the beach. I was told he didn't take his laptop. He'd go here. He didn't take his laptop. But then I talked with different sources, all separate from each other. And when I asked them, do you remember if he took the laptop to Vermont? They said, yes, he did. And that came, and I said, wait a minute, there's, why? Why would he take it to Vermont? 
So I started to study his gas receipts, and I wanted to see where he was buying gas and where he was having lunch. And I started looking at those things, and I put him right within, as I call, spitting distance of Louis Free's seasonal home in Vermont. And that's what I began to, to look at. And so I said, I think that's a, an interesting question. Louis Free, former head of the FBI and uh, author of the Penn State Child Rape Cover-Up Investigation Post Report, paid for by Penn State. Exactly, the Free Report. Um, so then I started to think, you know, I mean, um, I want to get people thinking, Mark. Do you see what I'm saying? I want to get people thinking. If I'm thinking about it and it's bothering me and it's gnawing me and gnawing at me, then I want to get you thinking about it, too. Sure. Trust your intuition. Another topic not much talked about around here. Uh, very few fingerprints found when Ray Greekar's car was found in 2005. Uh, none in the car except the bottle. Walk us through that, if you can. Well, that's the problem. And, I mean, this, this, is, this is the crux of the situation. Uh, there's just no evidence of this man having disappeared. And, and, and nothing really illustrates it more than the fact that the inside of the car was clean. There's just no fingerprints except one on the water bottle. Smudged. What does that mean? Exactly. And that was smudged. And when I read that and I saw that report, I said, well, they almost got it all clean. <laughs> Whoever wiped the car down. You see. But at the same time, you talk about the fact that that didn't raise enormous red flags among the state police at that time, that they picked up a car they found from a person that may be missing at that time. I mean, we're not really sure where he was at that moment. But... Um, there's no fingerprints in the car. It's obviously been wiped down. Mark, I'm so glad that you brought up the state police because one of the things that I want to say is, yeah, I've got the case file and I have thousands of pages of uh, state police reports, okay? And one of the things I want to say is the state police did meticulous work. The Pennsylvania State Police are some of the finest in the country. And if you want to know about their history check out their website. It's amazing. It's so hard to become a, a state police officer in Pennsylvania, and I, and I know why. They're really good at what they do, and that really <laughs> leads me into telling you something that, um, you know, I have a report, and it's in front of me, uh, that the Pennsylvania State Police compiled, and I have not published this yet, so you're hearing about it first. This was based on a conference that they had that took place November 15th through 17th, 2006. It's called the Pennsylvania State Police Criminal Investigation Assessment Unit, Missing Persons Case Assessment, Victim, Ray Gricar. Date missing April 15th, 2005. Dates of assessment, 15th through 17th, November 2006. So they met and there's a roster of everyone that was there from the state police, which I don't have to go through. But at the end of two days, they made 53 recommendations on what should be done in the Ray Guitar uh, investigation. The first one was, <laughs> and this really just floored me, their first recommendation 
to be done immediately was to convene an investigating grand jury. Never happened. Or sub or submit the case to the state investigating grand jury hmm. in order to compel witness testimony, which was one of the objectives in that first recommendation. Never done. So I read through L-53, and the last one was to determine if Gricar ha ever consulted with the impaired attorney program through the Pennsylvania Bar Association. That was number 53, and I said, that's very telling, because what that tells me is that uh, it confirms my rock-solid belief that Ray Gricar was uh, mentally sound. He uh, had no medical issues. He had no psychiatric issues. And I have all of his medical records, too, because they were in the case file. And even the state police didn't believe that, because that was their last and final one, was to see if he ever consulted the impaired attorney program. So I called them, and... Uh, spoke with a representative there just to see if they would talk, never thinking that they would, and they didn't, which really attests to uh, how rock-solid they are because um, uh, this is an organization that, you know, you, uh, has confidentiality uh, with the people that they speak with, with the attorneys. And as this person said to me, living or dead, we would never divulge whether... Mr. Gricar consulted us uh, for any kind of issues, either mental or, uh, if, you know, they, they deal with ment uh, if you're having me mental issues or maybe addiction issues, gambling, uh, alcohol, drugs, whatever. So they would never say. But that just tells me right now that the police, the state police, yeah, they did a great investigation, but they can only go so far, Mark. They can only go so far. And those guys, those men and women, they worked their off. Mm -hmm. Okay? All right. But the first thing they said was, you got to have a grand jury look at this. And it never happened. So the question is why? And that's my job. I'm telling this story, and I'm giving you information, and I want this talked about because, as I said at the very beginning of my podcast, I don't think this is ever going to be solved until there's a grand jury investigation into this disappearance. Uh, the final argument of the disappearance of Ray Gricar, District Attorney, is the podcast that uh, you have uh, started to put together. Episode 4 is due out uh, soon. Uh, any additional preview of uh, that element that we'll, we'll be hearing soon? Sure. I'm going to be... Um, talking about the women in Ray Gricar's life, uh, because what happened was there was a disinformation, as far as I'm concerned, and I, my opinion is there was a disinformation campaign put out. The press were only given certain kinds of information after his disappearance. Um, and one of the disinformation campaigns was that, oh, he was probably off with a woman, another woman. So I in my investigation, I mean, I've worked on this for 10 years, but still technically working on it. But anyway, in my investigation, you know, I ran down all those women. And I said, okay, he was not a womanizer. He was not a philanderer. Not, no, 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 no. So episode four is about the women in his life. And uh, how may, maybe one of them 
might have said something inadvertently that could have cost him his life. Can this case still be solved? Are there, have you found enough puzzle pieces that if you had more and someone with uh, investigative abilities and uh, subpoena power and whatever it might, ta- might take, can this be solved? Absolutely, it can be solved. Uh, the evidence is everything is there. Everything is there now. And I, came, I, I, I um, went public with this. And um, everything is there, Mark. And it's just a matter of someone needs to pick up the, uh, the pieces of the puzzle and they fit together. They do. They fit together. I, I sometimes wish they didn't. You know, I don't believe Mr. Grikar committed suicide. I believe that that was a, a myth that was perpetuated. And a disinformation campaign. I don't believe he ran off to start a new life. He was very happy. He was looking forward. And the evidence will show that. Um, I don't believe he ran off with another woman. He and his girlfriend were very happy together and they were looking forward. Um, So what do you have left? You know? Episode 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9 are in the pipeline, right? <laughs> they sure are. Rebecca Knight, a native of our region, has been investigating for the better part of a decade. The Ray Greekard disappearance has come up with a podcast that you can listen to for free at raygreekard.com. There are some items for sale there if you wish to support the endeavor in that way, and there are producers and interviews and travel and, and there certainly are expenses associated with what you're doing the final yes. argument uh, an additional comment please rebecca well thank you mark i i really appreciate the time to talk today and i i hope we get to do this again and i just urge um, urge you to please go to the website raygreekard.com or listen to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm on all the platforms. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, you know, the whole thing. I've got a, I I assembled a a small team of really great people to help me put this together. We're not making money at all. (laughs) I just, we like to pay the expenses, but you know what? It was never about making money in the first place. We're putting it out. I'm, I'm, telling this story and um, and I hope that someone maybe in the governor's office will pick up the phone we'll see